0: Welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host, Dr. Shadi Manacheri, and today's episode is all about taking over a lease for squat dental practice. Our guests today are Cardi Ellis, who is a commercial property solicitor, and Lena Thacker, who is a partner and commercial property solicitor at Cartabon Solicitors. If you're thinking about setting up a squat dental practice or just want to know more about it, this episode will be really, really helpful for you. We just cover some legal documents and processes that need to be considered when taking over a lease of a commercial property for a squat dental practice. This episode is very kindly brought to you by Carter Bond Solicitors and I really hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Nina, Hi, Kylie. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you both?
1: Hi, Shadi. We're good. We're good. Thank you. And um, thank you very much for having us. It's my
0: pleasure. It's a very exciting topic. I feel like I say that about every episode, but honestly, this is a very interesting topic because I feel like lately squat dental practices have been on the rise and we've been seeing more and more of them pop up. And I think as dentists, we don't have enough training or knowledge about um, sort of the legalities of setting up a squat practice. And there's obviously so much to know. So I'm really excited to get into this episode and learn a, a lot more about this topic because it's a topic that I'm particularly interested in as well. But before we get into all of that, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do and how you got here, please?
1: Sure. So um, I'm Lena Lena Thackra at Carter Bond. I'm a partner in the commercial property team. Um, I've got, oh, I think it's over 12 or 13 years experience now in the um, arena of commercial property. My practice area is fairly broad range. Um, I like for kind of a, a broad variety um, of, of clients from landlords to tenants to developers that are acquiring kind of freehold properties, leasehold Um, you know either at auction or private treaty or taking kind of complex leases and things like that Um, I've done a fair amount of of work with uh, squat practices as well where um, sort of dentists are taking um, new properties really um, and having the opportunity to sort of develop their entrepreneurial flair as well as kind of developing uh, their own practice and, and things like that So you get to
0: taste all sorts of different things when it comes to commercial leases from both sides, both the landlord side and and the dentist. Absolutely, Um, absolutely. How have you found it working with dentists? Because I think the dentists that are taking on squat practices, they they must be quite confident in what they're doing because they're setting up from scratch. Do they have things in common like personality traits or the way they work or are they all
1: completely different? A broad range, I would say. So they're quite different, but one common trait most definitely is they're very business orientated as well they're very commercial so i think sort of the clinical knowledge and things like that is very much a given um they're willing to take a risk as well because obviously there is a risk element here it's a new business a new venture at the end of the day but they've got that appetite um you know to, to want to develop that business and grow it um and it's great to work with them you know sometimes when it's their first practice they're looking at that squat practice they're looking at different sites they find one you know walking through that path with them it's amazing going through all the various obstacles and things like that that come through it and then you know a couple of years down the line you're looking at their fifth or their sixth practice and the way they've developed the things they're looking for um you know they've come so far and, and that's it i think it's the business acumen that they have um it's it's great um, to work with them. We don't work for them, we work with them for sure.
0: Yeah, that that's really interesting to see them progress like that because mm. like you're saying, I think with dentistry, we focus a lot on clinical teaching and the clinical side of things. But when it comes to business, I do think certain dentists are better and they're just naturally business orientated. Yes. I've certainly come across them and I don't understand half the stuff they say, but it's good to know that there is advice out there. If you want to become that kind of person, that there is someone there to hold your hand through that process Absolutely. until you learn.
1: Absolutely. Definitely.
2: And Kylie yourself? So I'm Carly, Carly Ellis. I'm a commercial property solicitor at Carter Bond. I'm coming up to seven years um, qualified now. I've been working in the healthcare and legal industry for probably coming up to 10 years now. Um, I specialise in acting for landlords, tenants, mainly in the healthcare, predominantly the dental sector. So like Lena, a a wide variety of new leases, uh, squat practices, and I also help with... um, dentists buying existing dental practices as well.
0: I know we have a separate um, episode to go through all about buying existing dental practices because that's a whole topic in itself and today we're going to focus more on squat dental practices. How have you found it working with dentists? I know I I keep asking everyone this question because it's really interesting for me to know what we're like uh, to work with because I know that from a from a profession point of view from the inside looking out I know a lot of us have similar character traits um in what we're like but I'm always interested to know what other professionals like solicitors think of us as a profession.
2: Yeah, like Lena said, um quite a lot of them are commercially minded, obviously very ambitious, um especially the ones setting up if, um squat practices. Um it really just it's a wide variety really of of the clients we get in. Um But, yeah, obviously um, very ambitious and, yeah, really well to work with. And like Lena said, we work with you guys, not for you. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice area to be involved with. I guess that's the exciting
0: part of things. We spoke to Connor about retirement and the end of the professional lifetime and all of that. And I guess you guys with Scott Dental Practices, you're predominantly towards the early stages of someone's professional career, so I guess you see that ambition side, that hunger, that that which I think is the most exciting part of the profession at the beginning. Um, And I know we've seen a lot of squat dental practices popping up more and more over the years. I mean, I don't know what it's like with you guys of what you've actually seen in terms of the statistics. But from my point of view, I feel like lately in the last few years, especially post-COVID, I feel like there's been a rise in uh, squat dental practices being developed. Um, But just to clarify, what do we mean by squat dental practice? An existing dental practice is obviously quite self-explanatory if you buy an existing practice. But what do we mean by squat dental practice?
2: So um we we use the term squat dental pack pro- it's basically an empty building um, and it's a dental practice that's set up from scratch so often it's in um, a property that's been used for another purpose for example a retail unit or a residential property or an office for example um, and yeah they're are, there are, um, empty buildings so it's um, ready for the new dental practice to go into uh, and set up from scratch um, it can either be a freehold property so you're actually buying the building uh, but quite often and we do find that it's a leasehold property. So you'll be renting the building from a landlord.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, especially in London, where I mean, I'm based and everything is skewed from my perspective, because everything happens in London. But um, I feel like getting a freehold property is extremely rare, unless you have an unlimited budget. And of course, if, if you find the, the odd property that is freehold, but am I right in thinking most of them are leasehold and you're renting from a landlord?
2: Yeah, predominantly the ones we're dealing with at the moment, um, like I say, there has been a big rise in squat dental practices. I myself have got um, a few clients um, taking on new leases in squat practices at the moment. But yes, mostly it is um, rented property that we find. And
0: are there any key considerations in squat dental practices? I mean, can you go about any sort of uh, property and find it and say, I want to set up shop here or are there certain things and specifications you need to look out for?
1: I think that's it, actually. That's one of the great things with squat practice. It does give you the complete blank canvas almost. Um, You know, first step, look for your location. You need to kind of thoroughly research the area. Do you have kind of prior knowledge of this area? Do you know you're going to have that client base there? Are you from that area and things like that? Then it's looking for the actual property, the building, like we've kind of mentioned, more than likely it's going to be leasehold. So kind of look for those boards, speak to the agents, have a look around these properties. Is the parking there? Are the disabled bays there? What's the layout of the property like? Does it look as though you can have rooms here? Whereas when you're taking an existing practice, sometimes the layouts can be quite archaic. It might be within kind of a conservation area. There may be other sort of planning constraints and things like that. So I think that's one of the great things with Scott practices is that you, you've got that blank canvas and the ability to kind of scour the country almost to mm. find that gem that works for you and that's that's perfect for you as well. And that sort of allows you to kind of then put your unique touch on the building and your own you know stamp um, with sort of the foresight for expansion whether it's within that building within that area and building a brand so um, I think that's one of the great things with Scott practices really.
0: I feel like since Covid again this is from my limited knowledge but the more I learn about it I feel like since Covid there's been a change in the permissions that we need in terms of Um, whether we can use certain buildings for dental practices or not. Um, From what I remember as pre-COVID, there were a lot of limitations in terms of the class use of the property, for example. You could use it for offices and cafes and things, but not necessarily dental practices. And you needed specific permissions to get, um, you know, to be allowed to set up a healthcare centre or a dental practice. Um, Has that changed? I mean, what kind of permissions do we need to set up a dental practice in a blank canvas, in a commercial property?
2: Um, so it's unlikely you'll find an empty property that is um, sort of ready for dental or healthcare use. Like you say, you will likely need planning permission um, for change of use. So there was actually a big overhaul post COVID and September 2020, just regarding the planning use classes. Um, so there's a new class called use class E, and it's um, joined together a number of the different class class uses that were previously under separate uses. Um, It just means it's a little bit easier um, to get planning permission to move between the new use classes. For example, if it used to be an office, it would have been a use class B. Um, But now, um, because of the new use class E, um, you wouldn't need actual further planning permission because it's now all under the same use class, which is E
0: that's reassuring to know so pretty much you go and look at the properties you sign up with agents i assume and you go and look at these properties and you just check that there is permission and it's it's that's reassuring to know because i feel like that could be one of the reasons why there's more squat practices popping up especially post covid because it's been made easier i know A few colleagues of mine who set up squat practices prior to this change of uh, regulations and it was very difficult for them to get planning permission for a property to to set up a dental practice and as we know it's really difficult to set up a, a dental practice from scratch from a technical point of view and this was also further complicated by the permissions that we needed for the for the property um, so say that you find the exact property that you want in terms of the location, the layout, the class use is is either the correct one or can be changed to the one that you want to. Um, and let's um, um, base this on a leasehold property because we know that that's more likely to be the case. What is the process from when you identify the, the premises that you want to be being able to take that on and set up your school practice there? So I think this is when
1: you get down to a little bit more of the nitty gritty detail of it. So like you say, you found your property, you're comfortable with it, location great, you're comfortable with the planning point. Although that may be something that comes out further down the legal process. And that's obviously something that we can help with, too. Um, It's then drilling down in terms of the core commercial terms that um you agree with the agent um who is then acting on the landlord's behalf so kind of the key things that um you need to agree are called the heads of terms so it will be a a specific document that the agent or the landlord if they're not represented would draw up so it would have the term on there how long is your lease term going to be how long are you going to take this property for is it 10 years is it 15 years is it 20 years what's the starting rent um you need to agree that, but um, sort of obviously have a look at comparables within the area, make sure you're comfortable that you're not sort of paying over the odds. um, And also, see if you can negotiate some kind of initial rent-free period. Um, you're a new tenant, you're going to have fit-out costs. So, you know, just from a cash flow point of view, um, you know, that that always helps. So an initial sort of rent-free period would also be useful. Are there going to be any rent reviews? That again would be linked to the length of the contractual term. So if your term is 15 20 years then the landlord may say they want rent reviews every 5 years you've got to think about then is it going to be linked to the retail price index or is it going to be based on the open market um so these are all kind of terms that need to be negotiated another point that um sort of you're setting up a new practice here is um, break clauses it's a new venture it's a new business as a tenant, it would just give you a little bit more comfort if you could negotiate a tenant break clause in there as well. Just if for any reason the business didn't go in the direction you wanted it to or um, if you know you could see kind of the rents were really, really going up to the point that it was potentially making uh, the business unviable in the future. If you could negotiate a break clause that perhaps coincides with those rent reviews, then it provides in the worst case scenario, an exit strategy too. So it'd be great if that could be negotiated into the heads of terms as well. Um, Another thing to kind of look at is the state of the property as well. Um, Leases are generally on an FRI. So it's a full repair and insuring uh, basis. So you would be required to keep the property in a, a good state of repairing condition. If it's in a poor state, then you may want that documented in what's called a schedule of condition. So photos that are taken that um, document the current state of the property and then that's appended to the lease. So at the end of the term, however, that comes to an end, whether that's by way of a break clause or um, a fluxion of time, you don't have to hand the property back, you know, spick and span, but just by reference to that schedule of condition. To be honest, a lot of the time with Scott practices, dentists are less concerned about this because they are fitting out. So they're always going to be effectively, Mm. you know, upscaling the property and putting it in a better state of condition. But just another point, another point to consider. Um, Another kind of headline term is uh, what's called alienation. So that's the ability to assign the lease. So if you wanted to effectively sell that lease on at some point during the term or underlet it, to having someone take a lease under your under your lease. Um, so these are all kind of terms that you want to agree with the agent or with the landlord sort of before it goes into legals. Um, this is a process that we are sort of always here and at hand to help um dentists with, um, because it it, it then forms the core of the legal documents. So if we can get a good set of heads of terms that doesn't have any misunderstanding or anything, it just makes the process going forwards much easier. So I guess this is the initial document
0: of everyone's expectations of what this process is going to be like and have you found that in terms of I'm always so when I think about this I'm always anxious about negotiating in terms of the rent and the rent-free period because as we know fitting out dental practice if you're building a squat you're going to need some sort of build works and if it's a relatively straightforward process. It may take a few weeks. If it's a listed building and needs lots of different permissions, it can take a lot longer than that. Um, So it really, really does help you out if you can uh, negotiate an initial rent-free period. Have you found that the majority of the landlords are quite open to that and quite flexible? Is there something across the board or does it really vary and depend on the individual?
1: I think it does really depend on the individuals, but I would say it's more common than not. I, there's more likely to be rent-free periods um, that, that come into play because, to be honest, whether it's a dentist taking a property or a retailer taking a property, they're going to want to fit out. So everybody's going to have those initial fit-out costs. So whatever the tenant is, more than likely they're going to be asking for this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it prejudices the landlord in any way to grant this to the dent the, the dentist. Um, you know, if they're giving it to them or to somebody else, it makes no difference, really. So it's it's very common across commercial leases in general, I think.
0: Have you found that post-COVID that's changed at all or has it remained the same? Because I feel like after COVID, they would be a lot more keen to get tenants in and there's a lot more properties available for rent. So to be competitive, I guess they have to give you that initial incentive. Have you found that that's been more likely than than prior to COVID?
1: Yes. In that I think the rent free periods are a little bit longer Um, before it was potentially a token one month. Here you go. Mm. But now it's something a bit more meaty. You're getting three months, you're getting six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the time it's conversations with the landlord. You really want that landlord to buy into your idea as well. Feel committed to it as well. Show them, share the fit out plans with them the end of the day what you are doing is enhancing their building they have a vested interest in that building so they want you to do a great job too they don't want you to cut corners so if they can see that you're investing a lot of time and money into this fit out ultimately and them giving you an extra two three months rent free they ultimately benefit too that's true
0: um so say you've agreed a certain um lease term so say it's 20 years 15 years whatever it is is the landlord then obliged to continue that lease? Because, you know, especially if you're setting up a dental practice, you're investing a lot in the fit out costs, in the equipment, in the build works. Um, so however long that lease is, you want it to be as long as possible and you want to have the possibility to renew at the end. Is that the case in all properties or are there certain ex- exceptions?
1: That's a really good point, actually, you brought up. So um it's all dependent on whether the lease is inside or outside the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954. So the standard position is that a lease is inside the 1954 Act, i.e. that means at the end of the term, you have an automatic right to renew the lease. In order for the ten- for the landlords to require you to vacate at the end of the term, they have to serve a specific notice, so the lease is outside of the 54 Act, This paper has to be served on the tenant at the outset when you take the lease. And if you sign to say your lease is outside of the 1954 Act, then unfortunately you would have to vacate at the end of the term. So I think that's a really important point that um, as a tenant, you'd always want to try to negotiate that your lease is inside the 54 Act. So you've got the right to renew at the end, like you say, because. You're spending so much on fit out at the outset. It's not only that, but in 15, 20 years time, think of the goodwill, Mm. you know, if you've opened up other practices as well, that, that, what if that's your flagship store, you know, um, you want to, you want to maintain that going forwards. That's true.
0: And at the end of that term, do you need to return the, say they don't want to renew from a hypothetical point of view, and you've invested all this money from a um, building point of view in the equipment and the kit out that you've done to that building. Do you need to then return the building to its original position or can you just hand it over as it is as a dental practice?
1: No, um the standard position is that you would have to effectively rip out your fit out works and reinstate the property. Um, from a landlord's point of view, they don't know whether they're going to be renting the property to another another dentist or to someone else. As sort of Carly obviously touched on the use class for, for class C is so broad now, which is great in that you may not necessarily need planning to To use the property as the dental practice, but equally it's great for Mr. Landlord at the end of the term Mm. because your dental practice, without requiring any further permission, could be used, you know, as a retail store or something. Mm. So they would want it, you know, just very vanilla, I suppose, bricks and mortar back to Shell and Core. So they could then, you know, rent it out to the next person. We can obviously specifically carve out in the documents, if it's been specifically agreed at the outset, that the fit out won't be um it won't need to be kind of reinstated and taken out at the end of the term and this is always something that can be negotiated at the end as well mm-hmm.
0: okay so lots of important points in the initial documents and what you need to be looking out for so going on from there say you've done the heads of terms you've agreed on certain terms of of the lease that as you rightly said are going to form the foundation of your legal documents moving forward what other legal documents do you need uh, to be able to take over the lease
2: so we touched earlier regarding a rent free period um, which is great but sometimes when landlords are wanting um are taking on new tenants they do want what they want what's called a rent deposit um, so that's usually a sum of uh, money so it could be one month three months sometimes six months um, of rent up front to protect the landlord um it's security for the landlord so if the tenant um doesn't pay the rent on time or reaches the lease, for example, doesn't repair it properly, then the landlord can use that rent deposit to compensate themselves for the losses. So I guess like taking on um, a
0: property, like a residential property, if you're renting, they might want a deposit from you to to secure themselves. Is that like a similar situation?
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly the same. And there's usually a separate legal document as to how that rent deposit can be used and how long it's held for. It's usually held for the whole term of the lease. So if it's a 15 year lease, the landlord can hold that rent deposit for fifteen years. Sometimes it can be negotiated. the um deposit can be released earlier, but usually it's for the entire lease term. And in terms of
0: paying the rent, I mean, I know I compared it to a residential property, but this is something that I didn't know until I started looking into it. But with a commercial property, do you have to pay sort of six months in advance in terms of your rent or is it a monthly payment of your rent in general moving forward? or does it does it vary?
2: Well, um, paying rent up front is the rent deposit deed, but that's separate to the actual rent paying under the lease. So more often than not, it's quarterly. So it's paid four times a year, but some landlords prefer it monthly. It just really depends um, what's agreed between the landlord and the tenant. Like Lena touched upon, these are things that you can negotiate in the heads of terms and it just Mm. depends what works really on a cash a cash flow. Exactly,
0: because I think from from a squat dental practice point of view, you have to be so meticulous about your cash flow and your budgeting and all of that. If your rent is going out monthly compared to quarterly, it makes a big difference because obviously if it's going out quarterly and you have zero income, that's a big lump sum that's potentially going out. um, So that all needs to be accounted for,
2: I guess, in your accounts. Yes, of course. And like like we say, this is something that really needs to be um, discussed at the outset with the landlord. So obviously then you can budget from a cash flow point of view.
0: Yeah, I think if you, I think the moral of the story is try and find a good, helpful, friendly landlord that's mm-hmm. able to to discuss with you things that are going to work in your favor. Because I think from the outset, setting up a squat dental practice is such a big risk, um, and a lot of people would be doing this early on in their career. And I think from a um, loan point of view, it's much more difficult to secure a loan for a squat dental practice than an existing dental practice. So. All of these things come into play when budgeting, when looking at cash flow and all of that. So it really helps if you have a landlord that's quite flexible. Um, but we can't really we can't really uh, know what the landlord's going to be like. I guess it's luck of the draw, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. But I suppose it works from both sides. It's going to be a long business relationship with that landlord. If you're there for 15, 20 years, obviously, you would hope that some rapport can be built up and a good relationship between yourselves. Yeah, and I think from a landlord's point of view, it's quite a
0: secure thing to have a dental practice, because the majority of dental practices should be profitable businesses that are quite reliable, you know, come rain or shine, people are going to need dentists. So from their point of view, I guess it's quite a positive thing to have a dental practice compared to say, for example, a coffee shop that may or may not take off. It's more likely that a dental practice will be successful, hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we found that most landlords, obviously, when taking on dental practices, they're keen as well. Um, And yeah, like you say, most dental practices obviously are very successful. And hopefully then the landlord will have a long term tenant. Absolutely. So say that you've taken on the lease
0: or in the process of taking on the lease, agreed the heads of terms, and you have specific layouts that you want to do, you've decided exactly what you want to do with the layout. Do you need a specific permission from the landlord to say exactly what you're going to do with the building? Or is it quite open to the, to discussion?
2: Most landlords um, do require consent for pretty much anything that you do within the property. Some landlords are more amenable than others. Um, sometimes they let you do like non-structural internal alterations without consent. Um, but most landlords, especially when you're doing a full fit out of the property, um, you will require their consent for the fit out work. So, for example, if you're moving walls, putting in... Um, obviously new equipment, if you um, put in counters, electrical works, plumbing works, things like that, you will need to share those um, alteration plans and specifications with the landlord because you will require their consent. That is a separate legal document, it's called a license to alter and that will set out the landlord's permission, any requirements—for example, you've got to do the prop- you've got to do the works in a good manner, and um, you can't cause any damage to the rest of the building, things like that—and um, that is a separate legal document that will be required. Which I guess for
0: the majority of dental practices, you will need it because it's very likely that you're going to do structural changes, you're going to be doing plumbing, things like that. That the landlord will want to know about.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and this is something that needs to be raised with the landlord really early on because some landlords wouldn't allow structural works so for example if you need to do actual works to the structure or the roof or something like that then some landlords may not agree to that Um, but most in most alterations we see for fit out works are internal so most landlords will will be amenable to that I think they just need to know from the outset what the plans are what the specifications are and then Hopefully they will agree to that. But like I say, if you sh- if you just keep, I think the key is to keep them sort of up to date with what is going on and what the plans are um, right from the start. So then hopefully when it comes to legals, that's all been ironed out. And it's just a case of drafting the actual legal do- documentation for the permission.
0: And I guess as well as the consent that you need from the landlord for the alterations point of view, depending on the building and what kind of state the building's in. So if it's a listed building, for example, you're going to need even more permissions from the council and things like that, um, just to further complicate the works that you're going to do internally. So even if you have the landlord's consent, I guess you will need the council's consent as well to do those works if it's, for example, a listed building.
2: Yes, you will. Um, it depends really on the sorts of works you are doing. Um, but if it is a list of building, then yes, you will need list of building consent as well. That's separate to the landlord's consent. That needs to be um, sought from the local authority directly. Um, you may also need building regulation consent as well for any of the building works you intend to do. And again, that's separate to the landlord's permission. That is sought from the building control directly. Sure so it sounds like a complicated process and
0: and it is because it's a big deal it's not something that you do every day it's a it's a thing that you do once and then I think if you are planning on doing more squat dental practices then I hope that the process gets a bit easier because it's a it's the set sort of schedule that you can you um follow for um for that process of setting up squat dental practice. How long will this process likely take? I know it's going to be complicated by, you know, whether it's listed building consent or the type of works that you want to do. I know all of these things will complicate it and make it longer. But how long is this process likely to take from when you've spotted the building that you want to when it's officially yours, you're the tenant? Um,
1: It's almost how long is a piece of string, I think, um, because like you say, there are different variables that apply to kind of different scenarios. Um, like you say if they're kind of consent issues on on certain properties then that obviously adds additional time to it um if you want searches carried out um on the property then that adds sort of a few weeks whilst we wait for the sort of the local authority and and um people like that just to come back to us with the search um results etc negotiating um it's you're also also at the mercy, I suppose, of the other party solicitors, the landlord solicitor um, and how kind of quick they are at responding and dealing with amendments and what sticking points there are and things like that. Um, I think probably a month or two is is the average, I would say, for a squat practice. Um, it can be longer and it can be shorter. Um, some some dentists decide to take a complete view on searches and don't take um. Don't want any undertaken. So that kind of speeds that process up. If, um, you know, you've struck lucky and it's, it's a property that doesn't require any permissions whatsoever, you're only doing kind of internal non structural alterations um, that the landlords can kind of approve quite quickly. Then that can be documented quite quickly as well. So it, it is sort of all quite dependent, I think, on the specific facts. Um, and it's also trying to collate as much information at the outset to speed the process up. So, whilst you're looking at the heads of terms, you know, the landlord will be looking for sort of trade references, bank references, accountants' references. Um, if you can kind of collate all of that to give the landlord more comfort at the outset as well, it will help kind of get the process speeded up. at at the beginning, really. Um, And they also sort of bolster your case, if you can show you've got strong references, it will also help you negotiate that rent deposit down, because you show you've got good covenant strength, you're a strong tenant, mm. you're going to be able to meet these financial commitments so Mr landlord why do you need six months rent deposit three months should suffice for example um and also kind of again help remove um the argument for the landlord requesting a personal guarantor again you'd show that no look you know there's strong financial strength here the issue obviously is that a lot of the time when you're setting up a squat practice it's a newly formed company Mm -hmm. so um it's A bit of a risk for the landlord from that point of view, which is why they'll want the rent deposit and things like that. But again, all those conversations had early on, then it helps kind of speed that process up further along down the line. But I guess even a month or two, that's pretty quick because I think taking
0: over an existing lease is a little bit more complicated and does it take a little bit yes, longer? Definitely. Um, whereas this sounds like it's a much quicker process because essentially it's you taking on a commercial unit. You're not taking on an NHS contract. You're not taking exactly. on CQC registration,
1: anything like that. You're just taking on the premises. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's taking it, like you say, as a new property. It's just all the other bits that you need to deal with in the background but almost at the same time so whilst the legal process is going on in terms of the searches and negotiating the documents hopefully sort of in the in the background you're sort of beavering away with your you know your contractors and getting the fit-out plans drawn up etc you know separate to that we can be negotiating that license for alterations then it all sort of comes mm. together but timing is also very important because You don't really want to be taking that lease. If your fit out plans aren't approved, you don't have sort of that license for alterations, you know, you've worked so hard to negotiate, for example, a rent free period, you don't want to be eating into that and taking the Mm. lease too early either. If you're not ready to start your fit out works, if there are sort of other permissions that need to be obtained, or you're not 100% on those plans. So there may be other things that you know, cause a delay, or you want the lease to sort of take a little bit longer in terms of the negotiation. So everything comes together at the same time.
0: That's true. I guess it's just about getting your ducks in order. Because, for example, exactly. if you do need additional permissions, say from the council, we all know that's going to take a very long time, a lot longer than they say. Um, But equally, you don't want to commit to those permissions and incur the costs until you've had the security of knowing that the lease is yours. Because I always have this fear that actually with, with anything residential property or commercials, I always think that until you've completed and everyone's officially signed on the dotted line, anyone can pull out, yes, you're going to incur the legal costs. But there's no security as such. So you kind of don't want to submit the permissions too early until you know that that lease is yours. So I guess it's finding that right time and finding the balance of being as efficient as you can be given the circumstances.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you you know, kind of when you've got quite far down the line that everyone's really quite committed. But like you say, there is always that risk because the heads of terms, as much as you know, you can go to as much detail in negotiating, agreeing them. They, they can be ripped up. They're not legally binding. And like you say, until you complete those documents, no one's tied to the deal. Um, the alternative, if you can see that sort of permissions and things like that are going to take a long time and you're worried that this is a really sought after property. Don't forget, we're talking about squat practices here, not existing dental practices. So it could be anyone going for this property. Mm-hmm. It's not just dentists. You could consider an agreement for lease. So you basically get the landlord under contract Um, but to do that you would kind of you'd need to state what is completion of the lease conditional on so we would agree all of the legal documents the agreement for lease would be agreed the form of lease would be agreed but the lease would not be entered into until a certain condition is satisfied whether that is Um, I don't know, waiting for the search results to come back or Mm. certain permissions to come back or finalising the fit out plans. But it gives both parties comfort that they're committed.
0: I see. Okay, so there are ways around it in some ways. I guess you can plan for that.
1: Yes. But again, then that also as the tenant, you're then sort of under a final, you're under sort of a, a contractual obligation at that point as well. So, You're basically saying, I'm committed, I want to do this, and I will do this, just not right now. I need a little bit of time to sort out X, Y, Z, and we just deal with documenting the X, Y, Z. So it it does remove that flexibility as well for the tenant. So it depends how much of that flexibility you want to retain, I suppose.
0: That's reassuring to know that at least that is a a possibility. So this, from a squat dental practice point of view, we've said that you need to look at your cash flow very carefully, you need to budget for everything uh, quite carefully. But What would you say um, someone, for example, a dentist wanting to take on this venture would need to factor in, in terms of the legal costs of this process? I know it's variable depending on the type of documents you need and and all of the specifics of that individual case, but is there a range in terms of the budget that uh, needs to be set aside for the legals?
2: In terms of legal costs, um, so both parties would be paying their own legal costs. So the landlord will instruct their own solicitor, pay their legal fees, and then the tenant would instruct their own solicitor and pay their legal fees. It's really difficult to give an actual figure in terms of legal fees. It just depends, like you say, on how many documents are needed. For example, if there was a lease, an agreement for lease, like Lena just mentioned, and then a rent deposit deed, and also a license to alter for the fit-out works, obviously the legal fees would be slightly more than if there was just the one lease document to negotiate because you've got a number of documents there that need reviewing and negotiating between the parties. Um, so I think it's really difficult to give an actual figure, but it um, it would be ideal if if you could agree a fixed fee um, figure with a solicitor. That's something that Carter Bonds do offer. Um, we give an estimate of the fees from the outset as to what we consider, um, what legal documents are required. So obviously that would help budget then. Um, it would help with the tenant's budget and from a cash flow of purposes and um, we talked earlier about if you need any extra permissions for example um, if it's a listed building you obviously need to factor those fees into account if you need to make an application to local authority and you also need to um, budget for obviously the actual fit out works and then if you're taking on any um, specialist advice for example from an architect or a designer there are specialist fit out um dental providers out there, obviously that would need to be factored into account as well. Um any solicitors fees would likely be um plus VAT. So obviously that needs to be factored into as well. And like Lena mentioned earlier, some tenants want to take searches. Searches would need to be factored into any budget as well. This I think this plus VAT is the bane <laughs> of my life because yeah. as as dentists and healthcare
0: professionals we're not used to yeah. plus VAT. <laughs> And I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who's just opened a second squat practice. Say that you know VAT is the worst thing because he didn't realise that it was a thing, and everyone speaking to him would give him the cost without because he they just assumed that he could claim it back. And obviously, as dentists, we can't. So this plus VAT needs to be factored in because it can <laughs> add up to to quite a lot. But it's reassuring to know that it's at least a fixed fee because I think in in um, in this case, because I think. Whatever that fee is, as long as you can kind of count on it being that you can factor in for what really stresses me out with any kind of business venture is unaccounted for costs. So if you're setting starting out on a journey and you factor in a certain amount and then you find out that it's actually a lot more then that's quite terrifying because you have you haven't factored in for that. Um, And, you know, as we said, for example, with a squat dental practice, a lot of this might have to be self-funded if it's difficult to secure a loan. Um, because obviously the banks don't really have any tangible assets to to kind of um, loan for the build work and things like that. They might do for equipment, but for the build work, legal costs, things like that, it's very likely that that individual will have to self-fund it. Um, so at least it's reassuring to know that it can, can sometimes be a fixed fee.
2: Can yes, and I think it just depends on obviously what which solicitor you use. It's definitely worthwhile getting a, um, a few quotes from different solicitors, and um, not all solicitors offer fixed fees. I think most nowadays do, but it's something out bond offer. Um, and as well, actually, just going back to the VAT point that you mentioned earlier, obviously most dentists are VAT exempt. So I think you need to um, check really early on as to whether the rent is subject to VAT because some landlords do actually charge VAT on top of the rent as well. So obviously that needs to be a conversation um, right from the start just to make sure you're then not um, having to pay an extra 20% on top of the rent, which you weren't aware of. Yes, because it can add up, especially with the rent in London.
0: I feel like 20% 20 is is a separate rent in itself, I guess. Um, But thank you both so much. Honestly, it's been such an insightful um, conversation and there's a lot to unpack here. And I know it's beyond the scope of this practice, but that was a very, very good introduction for anyone looking into squat dental practice just to know the kind of things they need to be mindful of, the right questions to to ask, and also having the right advice, uh, because with this kind of stuff, you know, as dentists, we don't know anything about in the majority of cases, so it's really good to have um, somebody working with you that can advise you on the correct questions to ask and uh, the correct considerations.
1: It was really informative, um, and thank you for having us.
2: Yes, thank you very much. It's been It's been a pleasure.
0: I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.